0: Welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm Ken Newquist and I'm a video game completing machine. I'm also probably staying up too late again.
1: <laughs> I am David Moore, and we're gonna have to change our intro because I am no longer a 40-something geek dad. Impressive, congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so Ken, what's what's been going on this last week for you?
0: Well, so uh, summer is over. Uh, the leaves are starting to change here in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and I've, I was just kind of like looking back on, well, gee, this the stuff I accomplished this summer. So obviously the big thing is I went to Philmont, but we did a whole episode about that. Uh, you can go back and check out episode 19, I believe it was. Uh, so I'm not going to talk about that anymore because you guys have heard me talk enough about Philmont. Um, but my other notable accomplishment, other than like spending 12 days backpacking in New Mexico, was I finished my summer reading list for the first time in years during the summer. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) My Nice. My last couple of summer reading lists I completed sometime around February or March of the following year. For a variety of reasons, I'm not I'm not quite sure what clicked this summer. Like I was just on a good pace. I was just maybe it was the, a combination of like the books were just long enough or just short enough. I didn't try and read like one Brandon Sanderson novel for the entirety of the summer, which led me uh,
1: read a couple more uh, audio
0: Right. But overall, I think I read like 14, 15 books.
1: You also had all that time in Philmont to help you read as well. I
0: did. I did. So I think so a couple of strategically placed vacations help going to Philmont. I brought my Kindle. So I think I read two or three books, basically going going to at and then returning from Philmont. Um, and then uh, going to Lake Champlain in the summer for our, our summer vacation, I knocked out like three or four books there. Because when I go there, really, it's just about me, the hammock, a beer and <laughs> books. That sounds like uh, a really nice vacation. I occasionally vacation. get off of the hammock. It, it is. It is. Uh, It's very nice to be there. And, you know, I'll go swimming and hang out with the family. I don't ignore everybody all the time. But it is, everybody knows like the first day we're on the island, uh, I'm going to be reading books. So that's nice. I I actually knocked it out. I also had a, a good routine at home. So I was getting up in the morning and going for a walk with the dogs as part of my training for Philmont. And so that was at least 45 minutes every day of listening to a book. And then I would come back. And I would actually sit down and read a book, like while I was having uh, breakfast or what have you. Nice. So I think a little bit of like conscious, you know, reading time plus some strategic vacations, and I actually got through my list. So that was that was pretty nice. And there'll be a link to it in the show notes. We don't need to go over all the books
1: I read again. <laughs> yeah, I I almost finished my reading list. Um, I I will say I finished my reading list, but it wasn't the one that I told everybody what the reading list was initially. Like there are a couple of books that fell off. But more than what fell off, fell back on, you know, got added on. Um, So I feel very satisfied with the books that I have read. Um, And I'm, you know, it's it has rekindled a um, I've read more books this year than I have in quite a long time. Maybe this year is also including 2020. But, you know, it it, it all blurs together. Um, But, yeah, I've really enjoyed my Getting back into reading, uh, and um, I've noted I've even noticed that the Kindle app on my phone will tell me, "Hey, you're on a reading streak. You've read this many days and this many books," and and like that shouldn't like entice me to read, but it's kind of like, "Oh, I'm on a streak. I better I better read a day so I don't miss anything." But I just really enjoy the books. I don't it, it, even without that streak, I really enjoyed the the books that I've I've read through um so yeah it's when I'll list I'll try and list those on the site as well the ones I've gone through I did I also had a couple of strategic trips to the beach uh early in the summer my
0: daughter and nice. I drove to the beach because she wanted to drive to the beach uh and she wanted me to go with her as the practice runner which I think we talked about in an earlier episode so that was one full day of reading and then I went with my son in August and, you know, that's just great. He's building sandcastles I occasionally pitch in. But most nice. of the time it was just sitting on the beach reading a book. So living the dream. Very nice. So, yeah. So other accomplishments during the summer. Uh, <laughs> I finished Fire Emblem Three Houses for the Switch, which for fans of uh, Fire Emblem, I mean, this is a, something of an accomplishment. Like it takes you hours and hours to get through these games. The campaigns are pretty meaty.
1: I think you didn't think. Yeah, I didn't think you thought that I I when we talked about this and this is the newer one that you that you got. This is the newest one for the switch. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure you
0: thought it would take you through the end of the year. I thought so, but I was closer to the end than I realized. And I also just got on uh, just a streak. Like I got really hooked into it. And the the game starts off as very much of like a, a Harry Potter clone, right? Like you have your different houses and they're competing against each other and there's all this school stuff. But then about like halfway through the game, it just kind of ignites and just goes out into the larger world. And you have this kind of epic storyline where the houses that are on these different continents and control these different countries are now fighting against one another. And it gets it, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. And so I think that just kind of helped compel me to want to play it more. Cool. And the campaign was shorter than I thought. I th- Gotcha. So then I I finished that and I'm like, well, gee, I wonder how close I am to the end of uh, Fire Emblem Fates Birthright for 3DS. (laughs) I'm like, well, I've been grinding on this thing for the last like two or three years. Let's see if I can finish this one. And so miraculously, I uh, knocked it off. I I may have been playing entirely too much Fire Emblem. (laughs) I think I have now officially scratched this itch. (laughs) Gotcha. Like, hmm, should I go back and play some of the old ones? Like uh, before Awakening, which is when I started playing the series, like, yeah, no, I, I probably need to give it a little bit of a break.
1: Gotcha. It sounds like it sounds like uh, sounds like you have a good, good feel for the game and it's your ending right before you get sick of it.
0: Yes. Yes. And it's it's you can be completionist about these things just like you can any other video game. So I am tempted and I actually went back and started a plus game, which I have very rarely done in the past where you can like basically you're starting over, but you get to retain all of your advancements from before. Actually, you retain points for advancements and you can spend them to build up your character. So it's not like you're starting from scratch. I've never done that before with Fire Emblem. So I'm kind of tempted. I think if I come back to it, I'll do that and play one of the other houses and just see how the game plays. But yeah, I think I, I'm not like there's a bunch of stuff I could probably finish out in Birthright if I wanted to. There's a bunch of side quests and what have you, but it's just satisfying to actually complete the main story. Cool.
1: Cool. Very cool.
0: And then uh a real life accomplishment, I think we both knocked off this uh, achievement this summer, which yep. is dropped my oldest child off at college.
1: <laughs> yep. I,
0: <laughs> which I have was, a uh, wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have a similar but slightly different achievement, which is Four days a week, I drop my child at college because she's still working on her driver's license, and she's living at home, going to, uh, going to university. But we happen to live nearby, so it's it's cheaper to have her live here than in a dorm. Um, and for right. a variety of other things, of like, you know, this is the first year of college, and doing it a little slower rather than jumping full into uh, full residential college uh, university is I, th- I think that's going to work out better. Yeah, I I drop her off uh, every morning and then uh, my wife picks her up every evening and we are really looking forward to probably within the next month her getting her actual license. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah, so that, that, is, that is a significant boon. We went from having a kid with her driver's license who could then transport her younger brother to and from the high school to not having her here. And suddenly we have to get him to and from the high school. Yes. So I, uh, I feel your pain. Yeah. Um, thankfully he's not in quite as many activities as my daughter was. My daughter was in band and she was not just in band. Like she got, she did the whole enchilada, like, you know, jazz ensemble and wind ensemble, like all of the ensembles jazz band marching band. So we were there just like multiple times. A day, yeah, <laughs> for weeks on end, yeah. which
1: I it was great at the time. I'm also like glad that it's done. You're done, yeah. I mean, it's great at the time, but now you're done. Uh, yeah. The same with my my kids. Uh, they were both in choir and color guard. Uh, which is bit, color guard is normally during marching band during the summer, but then there's a winter guard season, which is much more uh dance sort of focused, less flags. Definitely not outside and so that and choir was a lot of back and forth um my youngest is because of her school schedule can't do choir uh had to drop something and so she dropped choir she's still in marching band um and then uh this thanksgiving is going to be the big milestone because we're gonna be in new york for the macy's day parade and because of covid they were supposed to go last year but because of COVID, they're allowing my oldest who has graduated, but they're still allowing her to come back and participate in the Macy's Day parade uh with her sister. Wow, that's fantastic. So that'll be pretty cool. And yeah, we'll we'll see how that things go. But yeah, we've got a lot of practice stuff coming up within the next month. <laughs> so I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. So I do have my my daughter is at residential college. She's 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 she is truly away several several states away and like six hours of drive time, which has been interesting. She's called home more than I was expecting. I'm hoping I'm not embarrassing her too much by talking about it. But like we're talking to her every week. Like We always had a good relationship where we would, you know, talk with her and like, you know, she would stop down, stop, uh, you know, and just chat with us for like, you know, 15 minutes before going up to her room. But now we're like, and it's not like she's, it's it's just like, it's very nice and conversational and it is more than I expected because I remember going to college and I think I only spoke to my parents when they called me. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. I my mom did like this little knit thing to say like, you know, call your mother. She worries. Right. <laughs> and so I had to like set up a reminder to call my parents like once a month. So they knew that I was still alive. Yeah. And so I was kind of expecting her to kind of go off the radar until fall break. But yeah, it's been it's, and it's a different time, right? Like, yeah. we were more connected in the first place because we have cell phones and what have you. Like when we were in college, you know, it was like, you leave me a voicemail, write me a letter. I'll get yeah. back to you in one D three days.
1: Yep. And long distance
0: costs. Now we already had that connection. Yeah, no, I had a long distance calling card. Right, right. now we're yes, we're forty something. We're, we are middle aged geeks <laughs> <laughs> with all of the scars. Like I talked to my daughter about that. She's like, "What's a calling card?" Like,
1: yeah, what's well, long let me distance explain to you?
0: How the <laughs> <laughs> what's long distance? <laughs> what are you even talking about? Right? Well, you know. Yep. So that's when it's been cool. She's coming home for fall break pretty soon, and it'll be fantastic to to have her back again. So that that was a fun adventure. And just the ramp up for it, right? Like buying the computer, buying like stuff for school, um, and and she was really excited to be actually being able to go back to school. Like you know, COVID obviously was a big hit on morale, and just it was a hard year, I think, for the, for the seniors. And yeah, yeah, to, be definitely. Able to actually go back to something that's like actual school is is pretty cool
1: yeah they like they are still there's a you know there's they still have to wear masks and stuff in class and and uh yep. you know you're i believe the yeah the there's i believe vaccines are required and it it's there's been so much in the news back and forth with stuff and lawsuits and things like that in our area for that stuff I can never be sure what the final Uh, ending up was, but I believe it was vaccines are mandated Um, and which is good, um, especially considering Indiana and where it is. But it's yeah, I I'm really glad we I'm I'm going to both enjoy when she gets her driver's license, but also miss it because that's a half an hour that I get to sit in the car with her and just talk with her as we're going into, into, into school. Um, because a lot of times when she gets home, she's busy with homework or, or friends online or whatever. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of dedicated daddy daughter time. So, and then I know that my wife enjoys the drive home side of that conversation. So,
0: yeah, I I totally agree. I mean, it was a great opportunity when we were, when we were when we were driving her back and forth to the high school so much, it was the same sort of thing. Like even our trip is only like 10 minutes because our high school is pretty close. Um, but still you had those moments where you could actually catch up on the day as opposed to like right. her junior year where, you know, once she could drive, <laughs> uh, you had to chase those moments as yes. opposed to your captive audience. Talk to me. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, so now that summer is over and looking ahead to um, looking ahead to the fall, uh, I picked up so many role-playing game books over the last year. I would like to figure out some way to play them, many of which we've actually talked about previously. And since we're actually streaming this, I can show. Fate of Cthulhu, we talked yep. about before when we were doing our case game. Up uh, there. Mo- Monster of the Week is right. there. Monster of the Week probably <laughs> right there, yeah. Also for the fake game. Yep. Uh, but worth playing in its own right, I think. Gum yep. and Villainy, that's, which is what I'm currently around- reading
1: right now. Yeah, that's around there ish. Yep.
0: And the one that I'm hoping I can get my gaming group to play, uh Colonial Marines. Don't have that. Which one. <laughs> is the Colonial Marines expansion for the alien role playing game. So I have I'm on such an alien kick right now. Yeah. And so I'm thinking about like how can I do this, right? Like going to a convention. Um and I'm I'm curious, I know you went to Gen Con and you're gonna be talking about that in a bit, so I'm really curious yeah. about your thoughts as to how that went. But going to a real world convention is one way to get these games in. Maybe my lunchtime gaming groups talked about trying out some different stuff. So that might be an opportunity to something, rotate something in wrangling my online gaming group into trying something other than D&D and Savage Worlds. Uh, they mentioned interest in Fate of Cthulhu. So that might be an option. And who knows, cool. I don't know is maybe like setting up a new one off group, but we'll see. Like I'm I want to make an effort to try and find time to actually play these games as opposed to just having them sit on my shelves or just yeah. reading
1: them. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Yeah, the Gen Con stuff was was really weird this year in in terms of like talking about (laughs) uh, talking about going to a game convention Uh, like Gen Con's normally about 70 ish thousand people and they limited it to thirty five thousand. And normally Gen Con's pretty spread out They Lucas Oil Stadium. They actually put uh, a floor over all the AstroTurf. Um, which is a giant, it's a giant football stadium. And then they put all the board games and, a, and some other role-playing games and some other stuff. Like there's some like buffer events and things like that all along that whole, that whole field. And they weren't even in there this year. Wow. Um, you know, that was mainly the, the Indianapolis convention center and a couple of the hotels had stuff, but yeah, I, it, it was much smaller, you know, and it had, it actually felt more like origins because of its size and density or lack of density of gamers, you know, masks were required and everybody adhered to that. Um, I didn't really hear any complaints about that. Um, vaccinations, unfortunately were not required, but from what I understand, I think everybody kind of got through that, um, and especially because the masks were required. Um, there were a couple of times like at the be- opening of the great hall where people got kind of close, a little too close together, but it was, great. it was nice. Um, you know, the walking wasn't as much as usually was. Uh, my oldest had, uh, several friends in town that's that crashed on our couches during that. So we kind of played chauffeur for them a little bit. Uh, and they, most of them, that was their first Gen Con and they loved it. Um, and so I'm, I'm hoping to see them come back at some point, maybe not on our couches, but at Gen Con, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, and, but, uh, like I got, it felt kind of like, like, again, it felt kind of like origins, but it also felt kind of like when I was in when we were doing the Game Master show, you know, me and the rest of the, the cast, of the Game Master show where we'd go in as podcasters and have access to some game designers and stuff like that. Um, you can do that at Origins without a press pass. You can sit you can sit down and or, or talk with somebody at their booth and f- not actually be obstructing the booth from people buying stuff like they are perfectly fine to talk with you Um, and that's that was the feel at Gen Con this year the dealer room was much smaller but still pretty big Um, what was weird is uh, uh, Games Workshop was actually there this year and they have not gone to Gen Con in like a decade they they kind of did their own convention set of stuff. And now I guess they've been lured back um to do stuff. Um and that was pretty cool. I met uh Matt Forbeck. Um he had a a, a seminar session and I was like, Oh, this would be cool. Let me let me go and sit down with him and uh I kinda had partly interacted with him on Twitter. I was actually tweeting it at I think Chuck Wendig and he thought I was tweeting at him and it was it was a fun, funny little uh you know <laughs> accidental thing and uh and then it turns out I was the only one at his seminar so I got to basically talk with him for a whole, a solid hour him and his son for like a solid hour um about gaming and and the history of gaming and um you know how he got into the industry and it was it was pretty amazing so. Uh he's now working that's Pretty cool. Yeah, he's now working on I think he's working on the Marvel role-playing game that's coming out soon. Mm. So, that's that should be pretty cool. So, so what else in your gaming list do you have?
0: Uh that's that's pretty much it actually. What do you okay. have on yours? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm sure there's more, but those are like the concentrated ones that I really would like to try and get to play over the next like
1: I don't gotcha. know. Maybe the fall is too optimistic. But, like, certainly this winter. Yeah, I like pretty much every one that you have listed there. Uh, I want to dig into deeper again. Uh, I've read more Fate of Cthulhu than any of the others. I've run a Fate of Cthulhu game. That was a lot of fun. Um, But I'd still like to dig into it a bit more. But there's some other stuff that I have, you know, in in that list of particularly colored books here that are 5e. Uh, I picked up the Eberron, uh, Eberron Rising from the Last War and the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, which is which is the uh, source book for uh, Exandria, which is the uh, critical role. Um, so a lot mm-hmm. of stuff on there. I want to dig into those and see how those things are written. <sighs> I don't know why I did it, but I got back into Kickstarter a little bit again and uh, have backed Extreme Dungeon Mastery by Tracy Hickman. It's actually a second edition that's coming out. Uh, Howard Taylor, who does Schlock Mercenary, um, which is a webcomic, he's um, he's illustrating the whole thing. And uh, one of the stretch goals of the Kickstarter was he would live illustrate it on Twitch. So. At least a couple of times a week, he'll he'll start illustrating on Twitch. and You can just watch him illustrate and talk. And then there's a a Kickstarter that's out right now, um, which may or may not be out by the time this podcast airs. But it's out right now for all you watching on Twitch, which probably is zero because we didn't really announce it. But uh, (laughs) it's the Lazy DM's Companion um, by Sly Flourish. He did the Lazy DM. This is like book three-ish in there and it's mostly 5e related but you can kind of file off the 5e serial numbers for generic gm advice which i'm always up for and i i kind of want to see if this will be a gateway for me to like remember all the gm stuff that i did before and see if there's anything new that that is um i don't know they like Gaming has changed so much since we started gaming, Um, and yet, like some of the stuff that is coming out is brand new and is an evolution of everything that we've gone through before. And yet some of it is people now who are just getting into it are rediscovering things we've known for 20 or 30 years, um, which is also really cool. Um, and so I kind of want to do the lazy DMS companion and, and take a look at what's new and what is rediscovered. And then, uh, yeah, some other stuff uh, for um, I'm going to go through Bastion, uh, which is part of the Mythic D6 uh, set it, or not setting, but Mythic D6 rules. Um, and I'm going to go through the core rules for that because there's some some stuff in Bastion that I want to use uh, or repurpose for Dysonfall in that game. And uh, and then the last thing I think on here that I want to read is uh, I I downloaded five room dungeons by uh, roleplayingtips.com. I followed roleplayingtips.com for years. Like I I was surprised. I, I, I followed them. Then I stopped and then I realized, oh, wait, they're still around. Let me, let me go ahead and, and resubscribe to that. Um, and so the, the five room dungeons is like a free PDF that you can grab from them that talks about how you can set up effectively a dungeon with only five rooms that kind of like sets the stage for the dungeon and gets to a crescendo and then, you know, goes down and there's your denouement and get gaining the treasure. Um, and because a lot of times and it, it appeals to me because since life has once again killed another game for me uh my friday <laughs> game is no more oh, i'm so sorry yeah <laughs> but oh. it happens but uh rachel mourn it's passing <laughs> yeah uh one of the guys was just like i my work schedule is not going to work out and it only leaves three of us and one of those guys routinely has to do something else for his work so uh, we do computer gaming stuff right now, uh, occasionally on that day instead now, but like we don't have time. That's the problem, you know, like life gets in the way. Right. And so having a five room dungeon that you can run as one session or maybe two sessions is really useful to me rather than let's investigate under mountain for four years. You know, that's that. Right. That, that game will 40, die. Forty thousand room dungeon. Yes, I have <laughs> yes. the. I have the very first <laughs> Undermountain box set. Never played it. It's really cool. The maps are awesome. Uh, they're really cool looking maps and, and and such like that. But I don't have the time. I just don't have the time. And so the idea of having something effectively like a con game with a meta plot through plot. You know, like a, the A plot is that meta plot. And then the B plots are the actual individual games that sometimes, you know, have more role playing on the A plot. Is That's just more interesting to me at this point for my style of gaming at this time.
0: Yeah, I think... Um... I I actually got into five room dungeons a couple years ago when uh, my gaming group was still having a real world, like our homegrown game convention. And it will return after COVID, I'm sure Mm -hmm. Um, might be a little different. But uh, I got into that because we were getting into high level play and I was using it as a mechanic to be able to set up an interesting dungeon for 15th level characters. Right. Where. The, the the rooms themselves are becoming challenges, and and I think I did with like some elemental theme type thing, and but it, it keyed into the larger plot. It gave them a concrete thing they can do. It let me focus my design efforts on five rooms for high level adventurers instead of twenty five rooms for high level adventurers, because let's right. face it, high level adventurers can blow through like the first couple levels of a dungeon pretty easily, and it just becomes like a grind. Right, and so it, it became more a tactical and strategic thing where it's like okay let's let's see how i can use this technique to make for a good at all in 4 hours <laughs> yeah
1: and and like i haven't read deeply into it yet and it's it's on my list but i can also see from a gm standpoint the room part of five room dungeons doesn't necessarily need to be a physical room it can be right an area or uh like you could Theater of the Mind, fifteen different rooms of a dungeon, but that's room one, sort of deal, um, right. right? You know, and and have more of a cinematic sort of feel, perhaps. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting way to to design some dungeons. So, didn't mean to talk quite this much about something that's like in the middle of my list, but uh, yeah, it, in terms of in terms of games, that's the, the games that I want to dig into, uh, perhaps in the rest for the rest of the year basically very cool so uh you're prepping your shop for some uh some crafting yes i've got uh insulation on the garage door which has helped because in the afternoons when the sun is setting the sun comes and hits the the steel garage door but it's not an insulated door so basically it was just heating up that steel and And then becoming a radiator inside the garage. Um, I put in a a thermometer and it would regularly read 104. And that is. Wow. Yeah. That (laughs) is not something that I want to work in in the summer. Uh, So I got some reflective. Reflective. Um, insulation, not a great R value, but it's, it was inexpensive and it did cut the temps down to the mid nineties, you know? Uh, so it it did work. That's improvement. Yeah. it, It cut it, you know, between eight and 10 degrees, which is a huge improvement. You know, if I had infinite money, I would just replace the garage doors with full on insulated garage doors, but I don't have infinite money. And so, yeah, I, I'm hoping that it will keep the heat in, in the winter. Uh, and I do have a, a radiant or a, an infrared heater, um, that I can point at me and it will warm me up, but doesn't necessarily need to warm the entire garage. Uh, so that perhaps I can finish the pen that I've been having trouble with. I'm on iteration, like five of it. Um, I'll get it. Uh, like the first couple, the drill holes didn't go well. And so they were, um, the tube that went in didn't fit quite right. So I redid it. And then the next few, um, I had problems with, uh, with taking it down. I'd get it really close to finishing and then my tool would catch and the resin blank that was now a very, very thin tube around the brass tube just exploded um, into multiple pieces (laughs) and it's like, Oh, crud.
0: Not something you look for in a
1: pen. No, no. (laughs) I mean,
0: maybe if you're (laughs) Bond.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. And it's, it's not, wouldn't even be useful for bond, you know, really. It wasn't an explosion like that. Not, not, not enough to kill anybody enough to annoy people. Um, yeah. So, so I switched the type of turning tool that I'm using and then I think I'm there. I'm close. Uh, but, you know, some of it's like I have to wait wait for the right weather, and then uh, a little bit because it does get hot, but it's also been really rainy, and I want to turn with the garage door open anyway, at least right. at this time of year. So if the, if it's shut, it's too hot, but then if I open it, it might rain. Uh, on, and yeah, right. it's it's like a catch twenty two. Um, but and there's also the frustration factor of if I go out there, is another pen going to explode on me? Um. But I'm making it for a friend, yes. so I have to finish this particular pen. Hopefully I can finish it this week. So, um, but yeah, I'm hoping to do more in in the garage, in the shop this winter, uh, which is why, you know, over the course of this podcast, I've I've insulated the garage. I put up drywall. I have that space heater stuff. And and now I've partially insulated the doors of the garage and so hopefully that's enough we'll find out you had you had one uh shall we say out of this world or nearly out of this world uh thing coming <laughs> I see up you did
0: there yeah yeah it's an awesome
1: segue right
0: <laughs> yeah that's, that is uh well done and i don't I don't need that much insulation for it because I can do it all inside. So I am also being crafty. And since uh, since we're streaming, I can actually do it. Yeah, i am seeing the benefits of streaming. So I am that building looks, uh, model rockets. I that looks amazing. This is the Skyliner. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's pretty nifty. So I, I have my my dad and I used to build a ton of model rockets when I was a kid. And uh, he still had a whole bunch of these rockets, which I have I now have. And so I have been working my way through them. Uh, as we've talked about before, my son is part of a scout troop. And so I'm going to be teaching the Space Exploration Merit Badge this spring. And that gave me an excuse to build lots of rockets. So yeah. I have lots of rockets. I would like to build them. And then I would ultimately like to launch them. And it's it's interesting, right? Like, there's a lot of this that's actually muscle memory. But to your point, like we were just talking with D&D, there's a lot of... Things have changed in the last 30 years, right? And so we've had a of con- you and I have had a conversation, um, I guess in Slack, talking about, well, you know, Ken, there is some new kinds of glue that you could conceivably use to put the fins on. Because as I hold up this one particular rocket, I, I don't remember exactly which fin it was, but one of them just refused to stay on. Because if you're not familiar with model rockets, you basically got like a cardboard tube and you have balsa wood wings and you glue the balsa wood wings onto the cardboard tube. And but the time-tested strategy for doing this is using Elmer's glue. You put it on the fin. You let it get really tacky, um, which means it's kind of sticky. And then you put it on, the, on the, the body. And then hopefully it stays there, except for right. when it doesn't. And it falls off like five or six times in a row. And you start wondering, why the hell am I doing this on my Friday night? Yep. But then you get to the end, and it looks very pretty. I haven't actually put the decals on yet. I'm, I'm just about at the point where I'm going to put the decals on. Yeah. But, it looks uh, very
1: pretty. Very awesome. Already. Um, and yeah, yeah. Like the, there's like, there's a super glue plus Elmer's glue, glue trick where you put some dots of super glue and then the rest of the fin you put, uh, you would put out. El- and this is more of a, a woodworker thing, but I think it would work for model rocketry. Right. And then the, especially if you have accelerator spray, uh, you can attach the fin and the super glue kicks and and holds and it holds it it's not a great hold but then the elmer's glue can finally solidify and you're good right and then there's the the what the eileen's tacky glue i think is is the one that i've used before on other craft projects which is basically a really thick elmer's glue that sets up really quickly i think i might have to try that one
0: too i think um you know, I have crazy glued my fingers together on other projects like painting miniatures. Nope, <laughs> yep. I, I'm not eager to recreate that. But my ultimate goal for this winter is I do have I have a, I have a, a, a nice collection of really cool rockets. Um, rockets go in levels of difficulty from level one, which is very easy to level five, which is hella complex. And you may be terrified to build that rocket for most of your life, which is how I would define the <laughs> Mars lander. Yep. which is a very advanced rocket that I've had since I think I was 17 and I have never built. But my ultimate goal is to get confident enough in my skills to actually build that and other rockets. So very cool. uh, I'm sure we'll be revisiting this throughout the winter as we, uh, you know, work on our our respective pro- uh, projects. And then hopefully I can find a place to launch. That's the key thing. Find yeah. a place to launch.
1: Yep. So we. Uh, that's kind of like the things this is kind of how uh we've been doing things this season but we've decided that episode 21 here uh is the last episode of this particular season uh and we kind of wanted to go through our kind of walk through the layer again uh and and revisit some of the rooms that that we enjoyed uh and and talk about those a little bit and then uh when you guys hear or see us next we're going to start our season 2 and uh we're we're going to probably we've always talked about gaming but it's going to be a bit more of a focus in the next one less us talking about our weekly stuff um but more about uh I don't know like creating, you know, building your own role playing game and publishing it uh, and or getting how to run a game when you're when life keeps killing them, you know, uh, or how to run a game with limited time to prep, uh, things like that. And we might even run a game uh, as part of our uh, part of our part of our show here. Um, but Ken, why don't we start our tour of the layer of. Uh, the and and our history in the lair for season one
0: I, I think one of the things that i've enjoyed most about the lair is is kind of going back in all the games that we played we actually played a fair number of games including some mm-hmm. games that i've wanted to play for quite some time so first when we started and i had actually forgotten about this i think in the back of my mind i thought we had, had done tales of the loop before we had started lair of secrets but you know True. it's a year ago yeah. um, so it was playing playing tales of the loop uh tales from the loop which we uh which we did in, in episode two. And that was, it was a fun game. I, I really enjoyed the, the dice mechanic. It was a dice pool mechanic. And and so just to, as a brief recap, Tales from the Loop, it's uh, kids on bikes, right? So you have uh, half of the game is your social life as a kid, interacting with your family, interacting with school, those kinds of things. And then there's the mystery, right? You're going out and solving the weirdness, which in our case was Birds. <laughs> yes. That had fallen under the sway of. Intelligent an birds. And we had to figure out what was going on. Intelligent yeah. birds. Yeah. Intelligent birds. And so that was it was it was fun to play. I think it's you now looking back on it. I think, you know, it's we had a good group of people to play it with. Um, I think I thought this when I read it in the first place. So the first time and I, I still think it now. It is a role playing game that sets you up to be vulnerable and you have to be OK with that. Right. Yes. Because. Some of what you're talking about is, like, it's not just 12-year-olds on bikes. It's 12-year-olds on bikes. But, you know, maybe your home life isn't quite so great, right? Yeah. And that could be one of the scenes that you're going to do. And so as players, you need to be comfortable with that. Or you maybe you just need to talk about it up front. Like, what what is the downtime going to look like and how intense do you guys want it to be? Because it hits close to home yeah
1: it can't hit close to home yeah and that's that's one of the things that like the safety tools that have come out since we first started you know that have come out within the last 10 years or so in gaming um that's something that would be really useful in this game um things like the x card where it's like hey we're getting into a topic that i really i i don't want to talk about you know, for whatever reason, maybe we're talking about parents getting a divorce in the game and that was a really traumatic experience, you know, in my life or for a friend's life or whatever. Let's let's move to a different scene or a different right. topic. Um, and I I think that's something that uh, I, I don't remember. I think Tales from the Loop talks about that, but I don't know that we we talked about it a little bit, but. The group we were playing with, I think, was comfortable enough with each other that if we got into a situation like that, we'd be OK with with bringing it up um, without a particular right. set of tools. But, you know, it, those tools are, are are good. We had uh, uh, what you you did mention something. It's like basically it's kids on bikes. The Yes, yeah, there is a role playing game called Kids on Bikes.
0: <laughs> <I have> a- <laughs>
1: yeah. So um But yeah, Tales from the Loop, it's also the, um, it's based on the artwork by, uh, I don't remember his name, but it's based on, uh, he also, I think, wrote part of the RPG as well, but it's based on his art, and that art was iconic and strange enough that Netflix made the Tales from the Loop TV series as well. Um, Yes. And uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty neat game. Uh, I think... Just like our one of our other game are well, the two other games that we played uh, suffered a little bit from uh, life and drastically different time zones. So, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> both so, of
0: those things can mess with your game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, go ahead with the uh, the other games that we've gone through over this year season. So
0: Brenda Wood Bay.
1: Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brenda Wood Bay was,
0: uh, you're playing, uh, murder mavens, uh, murder, maven, murder mavens, murder yep. mavens, uh, who are like women in the mold of,
1: uh, like I Jessica it, Fletcher Gosh. or Franny Fisher. Fletcher, thank you. But yeah, like, right. like 80, oh. 70, 80 year old women who, uh, are part of a book club and yet also seem to get caught up in crimes specifically murders that are happening in the town around them. Yeah, so this was a challenging game. Like, So talking about new games that like just force
0: you to think in different directions, this is a game that does not actually have an end until you decide what it is. Right. Yes. So that's that's the, the mechanic behind it. I don't think that's a state secret, right? Like, You are the murder mavens, and you are investigating one or more murders in your town. And as you're gathering the clues, those clues are leading you towards a conclusion. But that conclusion is not predetermined. Like the scenario isn't going to tell you who it is. The murder mavens as part of the investigation and the role playing, are going to tell you who it is. And I think that's hard. (laughs) It is hard. It it hurts your your
1: brain a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. When I, when we talked about it before, like I was going to run this because I was like, wow, this is like entirely play driven. I don't need to do like almost any prep. And I was really wrong uh, because (laughs) in order to run this game, you have to know the NPCs. You know, you have to play those NPCs. It's a very role play driven thing. And then for the players, like for us, like for anyone who's like done d d this would be a big leap because as players, you call for roles, you know, in d d it's either obvious. Hey, I, I want to make an insight check or like, you know, you have to roll a to hit, but In this, it's much more along the, like, I want to make an insight check all the time. Um, You know, you're like, you don't say, hey, GM, can I make an insight check? You're going, hey, I want to search for clues. I'm going to use this, this, and this and roll this money dice. And here is my result. You know, like the GM isn't really calling for it. The players have a lot of agency in that game, which is also very different from some of the games that we've played as well. You know, and and so that was that and me needing to prep for all the NPCs so that I could kind of make them interesting and you guys could call for those things uh, was made that game kind of hard to it was it's a small, tiny little game. You know, it's like maybe 40 pages or something, (laughs) but it's it was it was hard to run. Um, it was fun, but it was, it was one of those things where you had to kind of be in a different mindset from a stand, like a, your, your traditional role-playing game. Yes.
0: And I think it also, um, it's mechanic and also like the mechanic of fate and actually, um, scum and villainy for that matter, or, uh, blades in the dark, like there's this built into the mechanic is this indeterminate state or, or there's some good, but there's also some bad in your role. And yeah. so I think as a as yeah. game masters and as players, you got to think out what, what those complications look like. It's like you succeeded, but this thing happened. Right. And so you got the safe open. But, oh, hey, the butler just walked in on you. Right. Which is a classic example in, in many of these different kinds of games. And so that also makes your brain work. Yeah. <laughs> Which I am not complaining about anyway, but it forces you like D&D and, and other games that you're very familiar with, or like Savage Worlds, you fall into kind of a predictable way of doing things. And so you can just it's very comfortable and you can just do it. These games make you think
1: um, and D&D can make you think, too, but it's different. Like D&D, there are parts of D&D that haven't changed since its inception, Right. like like picking a lock takes time, but. The consequences of failure are like, oh, the lock's broken, you can't pick it again, or you have to take more time. Well, you know, you could pick the lock for days if you wanted to, unless the GM stops you. Uh, whereas like in Brindlewood Bay, you know, if you're or and in several of the others, like any of the Blades in the Dark, uh, Forged in the Dark sort of settings, um, you know, It's like you're going to roll and it's like, oh, you didn't succeed in picking the lock and something happens because of it. You know, like if you're trying to go in quiet, you've left evidence that the lock has been picked or. uh You've been there for so long that the guard shift is now changing and now you're in danger of being discovered by the guards like that's built into the roles and and the and the rules, whereas it's not as built in to D&D, you know, because of its its upbringing, its upbringing through the last 40, 50 years.
0: And so this. Uh, brings us to our our next uh, game that fits in this mold, which is the Army Corps of Engineers Special Ops game uh, that you ran. Well, actually, we both ended up running sessions for it uh, using Fate Condensed Um, again, very uh, I think it was a very challenging game. I think uh, I really enjoy Fate and I hadn't played it uh, for many years. Uh, The last time I had played it previously might have been your Spirit of the Century game at Origins, (laughs) which was about a decade Uh, ago. Yeah, about a decade ago, right? And so it, it was cool. I really, I really. So there's two things I enjoyed about that. First of all, I enjoyed playing Fate and Fate Condensed. I think it's a really cool system, and I like uh, mental and physical and social challenges are all modeled in similar ways. And so all of them right. can can hurt you in some way. Some of, all of you can all of them can advantage you in some way. And so. You can take down the bat squatch by giving him <laughs> uh, marijuana lace brownies. Right. Uh, I think they were marijuana. They were special brownies. Yeah, they were special brownies. Sure.
1: They were special brownies, and and he, we basically social engineered, socially engineered him to kind of become our friend rather than beat the crap out of him. Right. Yeah, and and which I did I, not see coming, and was
0: totally cool. Yeah, <laughs> and I
1: liked it. Uh, I think that you know that game again. That was the. You know, we had a three hour time zone difference and fate also requires people to be very proactive, you know, yes. and, and to uh for the GM to like call for to to complicate things, but also for the players to be very. um More awake than I was at nine o'clock when we started. That's <laughs> that's a good way to put it. Um You know, yeah, it, it a was a good way to put it, you know, I. I I'm not, I'm not 20 anymore, unfortunately. Um, You know, the, the all night gaming sessions, you know, I, I, I start shutting down. Well, you know, for anybody who might be watching, you know, it's, it's 20 till 11 here. And that's uh, that's really late for me. (laughs) You know, like I'm we're probably going to wrap up here and I'll just going to go straight to bed. I might read a little bit, but yeah, I don't stay up much past that anymore. Um, I get up earlier, but it's, it's a weird thing. I don't know. Getting old is weird.
0: Yeah, and and, and the challenge, of course, too, is, as uh, I think I've mentioned before, like, you stay up until two in the morning or three in the morning, and that's guaranteeing that one of your kids is going to be sick at five in the morning. Right. And then <laughs> Or then you, the dog is going to be sick, or yeah. some emergency is going to come up that you have to deal with, right? Yeah. Like, it's easier when you're 20 because you can bounce back from it, but you also didn't have those emergencies. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and you know... Like, if you stay up that late, you know, you're going to feel it the next day. But then having that emergency on top of it is just extra. Ugh. yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah. Middle aged
0: gamers, everybody.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we try we try to figure out better ways to do this. Yeah.
0: So I, I like so we we talked about I should say we talked about Brother White Bay on episode six in the show notes. We'll be linking out to individual episodes. We talked about uh, Army Corps of Engineers and Fate on episode eleven. And one of the things I really enjoyed about episode eleven was we also then brainstormed the campaign itself. Like what was it we yep. were trying to accomplish? Like factions that might appear in it, things we might want to incorporate into the game. We had a conversation about like is there magic or isn't there magic? Well, we don't know quite yet. So maybe there is. Yep. That was I really enjoyed. That conversation, I thought it was going back and editing it again and listening to
1: it. I really enjoyed it, too. I think and I think that's one of the things that I'd like to pull into season two for some stuff, you know, like like brainstorming some stuff for Dyson Fall or brainstorming stuff for whatever game that we want to run slash play, um, that sort of thing. Uh, You know, I I think that would be I mean, that interests me. I don't know if it interests any of our listeners, but that certainly interests me. And well. (laughs) Half half the reason I make this podcast is to talk to you and what interests both of us. So, you know, right. <laughs> so,
0: uh, kind of moving on from well to a different part of gaming. Uh, and clearly, we spent a lot of time. That was some of my favorite parts were really talking about gaming. Like I've enjoyed like talking about the intersections of geekdom and gaming and and family life and what have you. And I think that's been interesting too. Um, and I think people can relate to that. But the stuff that stood out to me as I was editing episodes like, oh, wow, I really enjoyed that conversation. Uh, the RPG vault episode, which I think we could do another one of at some point, uh, maybe with a, a different uh, service that we have a bunch of PDFs on. But when we went through in episode 13 and looked at our drive through RPG archives and just for like the treasures that were hidden in the archive. Uh, yep, that was pretty cool.
1: Yep, I, there's another thing that we could add on to that um, that we might do is I have a pretty big collection of old dragon magazines and going through those and looking at how things have aged, um, for good or ill. Um, but also like, Hey, this is the same advice that you'd hear right now on Twitter that is in this, you know, letters to the editor column sort of thing. Um, it yeah I I went through a couple of of those um, for with Jerry Grayson on our Cowboy Dracula YouTube channel um, but we just life again we haven't been able to do any more of those so maybe we can pull those in here so
0: I have the Dragon magazine uh, PDF archive
1: cool. that was released many 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 years ago yeah I I didn't have the money to pick that up but it would I think that would be uh, pretty cool to have.
0: So uh, I also like the the Game Master Hacks show talking about Game Master toolboxes and other like in-game hacks that we could do. I think that was that was just fun. That was episode 12. I'd love to go come back to that, especially like, you know, also talking about some techniques that we'd like to pull into our, our more regular games. Right. So I think my Dungeons and Dragons games and Savage Worlds games have benefited from playing other games. Yeah. So, you know, talking about, hey, you know, the clock from uh, Blades in the Dark. Oh, man, that could, I could I could see how that would really enhance other games. Right. And just kind of get people's heads around the mechanic. But, yeah, yeah
1: actually, I used the clocks. I use some clocks in our uh, Army Corps of Engineer games um, a couple yep. of times. And yeah, it's it like that concept is good. Like um, there's a small horror game called Dread and it's central. Um, it's central mechanic is a Jenga tower and You know, like if you want to do something risky, the GM says you have to pull one, two or three pieces sort of thing. Um, And if you fail and the tower falls over, your character will die. Um, And so it really (laughs) ramps up the tension. But I but that was one of the things that I was uh, that I've been thinking of for, you know, if people were were playing in like (laughs) in real life again. Uh, But like like if there's a like instead of using a clock. Maybe you use a Jenga tower. And so it's up to the physical dexterity of the actual players to to move things uh, and then maybe use that kind of as a timer of like you're being chased or you have to get to this area. You know, you have to do something in a certain amount of time. And as you do more actions, you have to pull more pieces. And eventually the tower will fall. And that's when this climactic thing happens. You know, it's right. one of the ideas that I was having about it. So, yeah, I'd like to revisit some Game Master hacks as well.
0: Uh, and so the last thing I, I really enjoyed was our summer reading list. Obviously, we like we re- both got really into reading books this summer. And I think it was great to, to do some cross pollination between our different lists and talk about different authors and what we liked. And I mean, I think we were mostly positive, which I also enjoyed. Yep. But that was that was cool. Just kind of like running through what we were planning on reading for the summer. Um, I liked that as like a focused episode. Right. And I think um, doing, you know, as we get into season two, I could see like, hey, there here's a topic and we just want to take the whole episode and we're going to focus on this particular thing as a special thing. Like, you know, summer reading list, winter reading list yep, or some other thing that we just want to focus in on. I think that was a good example of like a focused episode. And that
1: was that was back in episode 17. Yep. Uh, I think two of our big ones was. uh we want more murder bot and um we definitely want, we want book three of the of Patrick Roth's current set of books. Um but we don't know when yeah, that's I think come I spent out. half the podcast trying to read trying to listen to his last book. Well that's because that <laughs> podcast, if if you're listening to it on audible, is like a thousand hours, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really big yeah, book. So that book that book took a very long time to listen to <laughs> Yeah. But it's a good one. So
0: it is a good one. It is a good one. So that that's my, my thoughts on, on retrospective, our thoughts on retrospective. Do you have anything else? Uh, I can't think of anything else right now.
1: I think that's a, a pretty good one. Um, we did talk a lot about books and such in there. Um, and we'll continue to do that, do that in season two for sure. Cause that's just a big part of our lives too. Um, and it informs our gaming too. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff, like there's a book I picked up specifically because it's set in a like post apocalyptic future. That's kinda like Dyson fall, but not. Um, and so I've started reading it for, to kind of mine it for some ideas uh, for, for that setting as well. And it, it, it didn't, it doesn't fit Dyson fall as much as I wanted it to, but that's okay because it's still a good book. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's been really great doing season one and I'm looking forward to season two. I am as well. So
0: thanks everybody for listening. If you had feedback, especially on season one, we would love to hear it. So you can send it to us at podcast at layerofsecrets.com or via Twitter at Layer of Secrets. You can also v- visit layerofsecrets.com and leave us some feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts about what we're talking what we've talked about and what you'd like to see in season two.
1: Yep. And uh, we we have something more to add that we've never added before, which is we are Layer of Secrets at Twitch. Uh, com. So uh, we are going to try and stream more often when we record. So if you want to get the raw and uncut, uh, we'll try and do this on a schedule that you guys can show up for and ask us questions uh, live. So hope to see you again soon.